This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. Hello and welcome to your Monday pod with Aussie actor, director, writer, voiceover artist and acting coach Sean James Murphy or Shawnee Murphy or SJ. We get into all the versions of his name. Sean has been living in Los Angeles for nine years now. We both went to brother-sister schools together and he has done some pretty incredible things. And I think he's just got an awesome outlook on life and chasing a creative dream. And I reckon you're going to be inspired by this chat. He's honest, he's humble, very, very real, and has something really awesome to share. So mega love, and I really hope you enjoy this chat with the incredible Shawnee James Murphy. I think I'm just going to call you Shawnee. All right, guys, mega love. Enjoy the chat and uh, I hope it inspires you as much as it inspired me. And we recorded this one in real life in my apartment in Los Feliz in LA. So it's coming to you live from the city of dreams. Bye. Sean James Murphy is how I want to introduce you, but talk me through this. Is is it Sean Murphy? Is it SJ? Is it... What is it? Yeah, all right. Well, I'll tell you the story. (laughs) Okay, so uh, I was born really premature as a baby and I was in the hospital for quite a while. Like I actually died and then was brought back to life a couple of times. Yeah, I was way too early. And uh, so because I was in the hospital for so long, my parents, they said I wouldn't, the doctor said I wouldn't make it. So they were a bit cautious about naming me. Yeah. But eventually I was getting stronger. So they put up a list of names for the doctors and nurses to like tick the one they wanted to call me because, you know, I was there for a while and Sean and James had, you know, equal ticks. So I'm Sean James and my father's name is James as well. But a lot of people call me Shawnee or Sean James, whatever. I just don't love Sean. But Okay, cool. Okay, this is <laughs> Shawnee's cool. great. I like Shawnee. Yeah. I like that a lot. So you are an actor. Um, can I say director as well? Yeah, I've directed, like. yeah. And acting coach too. Yeah, big acting coach, yeah. Can I just say you oh and voiceover artists we were just talking about that yeah. before um have I missed stuff have I missed anything Well I have done a lot of writing particularly in the last few years yeah. like I, 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 a lot of people bring scripts to me for like script doctoring you know <sighs> so fun. a lot of my work as an acting coach has made me very um quick at like I have to understand a scene very quickly and if there's a hole in it, I see it so fast. Really? So a lot of people, if they need like quick punch-ups of scripts, they'll send them to me. So I've done a lot of, and you know, like I don't have credits for a lot of these things, but like big films I've punched up and cool. I've done, um, you know, and, and, and even smaller things and short films for people I've punched up as well. But um, I don't have the discipline to be like a full sit-down writer. But, yeah, I, I do oh, a lot of writing. Yeah. Okay. I had so much fun binge-watching you on Vimeo and YouTube and <laughs> it was so, so, so much fun. But I want to go back to my first memories of you. Oh, my God. Yeah. So we were at brother-sister schools. Yes. Both doing drama. Yes. <laughs> so we were both in Romeo and Juliet, Right. Right. So I remember my character was basically like a Montague guy that they just switched to a girl for the purpose of me being part of the ensemble. I think I had one line in the whole play. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Who were you again? I couldn't tell you. I can't remember. I think you and I had a scene together. Like I think we were not leads. Neither of us were Romeo or Juliet. No, no, no. Always a bridesmaid. Um. (laughs) And then I feel like we did a few other school things together along the traps. 
We did a, didn't we do a Commedia dell'arte play? Yes. And you said something that a friend of ours, Nick Fradich, used to always say, just a couple of lettuce leaves and some rissoles would be fine, was the line. Yes. Of, do you remember that? Yes. And I don't, I couldn't tell you the play again, my memory, but Great I remember latte, you I remember. were hysterical in that role. No. Yes. That's why I know you're a comedic actress. <laughs> you said that the first day we caught up. So this is why I'm so excited to kind of like, I'm um, not unpick, but un, like explore your career to date because mm. I have been watching as much as I can find of Danger Five. Mm. Tucker is awesome. Your character. Can you share a bit about what Danger Five is? Oh yeah, I mean it's a hard one to explain. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, essentially it's a a, a a pulp kind of TV show yep. that uh, occurs in a world where World War Two happens in the sixties. Um, and I'm part of a team of five crime-fighting international spies on a mission to kill Hitler. Yeah. And uh, and the show is really wild. We've got, like, stop-motion dinosaurs. Yeah. We've got puppets. We've got all old-school, yeah. real 60s TV-making skills in it. So we've got miniatures for exteriors. So, so there's no CGI, there's nothing, so and it's good. it's really like an homage to those amazing that shows of the 60s, constantly yeah. smoking, drinking, misogynistic, and then, we, you know, we've done a couple seasons and it changes. Yeah. <gasps> so but was that so were you living here? You got a call. It was shot in Adelaide, I think, and I heard that um, you in an interview say, yeah, I don't know that I want to like go to Adelaide to shoot this thing. And then next minute, you read the f- the title of the first episode, and it was like called "I Dance with Hitler," and you're like, oh, "I think I'm in." Yeah, yeah. I, 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 the, the title of the first episode is, um, I think, yeah, I dance, I danced with Hitler, and the opening shot is the Nazis stealing the Eiffel Tower, and all the French start killing themselves because they're so miserable without their national monument. <laughs> And I just thought this is like nothing I have seen in Australia. Like you just, that kind of risk-taking and, you know, uh, pushing boundaries is rare in a market like the Australian market. So I thought I was immediately interested. I thought. How good. (laughs) You know, so, but, and so, yeah, it happened um, like 10 years ago. We did the first season um, and I, yeah, I was just a little, you know, in my early mid twenties, yeah. and it was the first sort of it was the first lead role I booked, um, and I moved to Adelaide to film it, and yeah. we shot it like for a dollar. Um, Didn't the director come to you to do your audition or something? Yeah. To shoot your, I've, that's like unheard of, isn't it? Yeah, he came to me, and like we did it in my apartment in Potts Point, oh, and I had like a, a little prop, like a little gun, and <laughs> a little a little fake gun, and you know, no idea what I was doing. But the brief was for my character, Tucker, we want a man that looks like he's on the cover of a 60s cigarette commercial. Yeah. yeah. And they said, we looked at every headshot of every man in Australia and you were the only one. So, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So is it true that that took you to Comic-Con? Did that happen? Yeah, we've done like all sorts of things like that. And um, I think it's called, is it Supernova in Australia, which is like Comic-Con there. And, so good. You know, it's, it's, that's a wild experience. You know, people line up and make you've got dolls. got cult, right? Yeah, it's got such a huge cult following the show. Um, like, I, you know, it's very popular in um, Germany and France. And that would make sense. Yeah, and then Americans love it. I think it's been more popular overseas than it ever was in Australia. Oh, yeah, yeah. I watched it and you like a New York person interview you and he was, and you were like it comes out in Australia in this state. I did not know how people in America are it. So it's kind of cool that it's got this like underground, you know. It just ne- it's the show that never dies. We actually just finished a Audible original where we did a yeah. for uh, Audible Australia commissioned us to do a radio play essentially. Oh. So that's where I was just before the pandemic. I went I flew back to Australia to Adelaide and we okay. uh, recorded that for a couple of weeks um, and that's been like so successful and the fans love it too and it there's talk it might turn into a uh, uh, cartoon kind of, you know. Oh animated. yeah, I could totally see that. It's so it's you know. It's got the whole Thunderbirds kind of vibe as well. It looks like a live action Thunderbirds. Yes, yeah, <laughs> totally. Okay, so on your showreel, I got to see you do because I think of. 
for me, when I think of you, because you were the one that flew the coop after school, like from all <laughs> all of us that did drama together, we, the nickname was The Melts. Do you remember that was the nickname? Oh, was for it? Drama? No. Yeah, I, I blocked high school out of my mind. So, so at high school, it's Zay- where you were, Xavier, yeah. the theatre the theater they called, the theatre club or the theatre people they called The Melts because the lights were so hot that you'd feel like you're melting on stage. <laughs> and so, yeah, from there though, like you were the one that like chased Acting, I don't think any, I think maybe one other person from both our mm. classes. Like you're the one, my friend. You're the one that's taken the risk. What what led you to come to America? Well, right back at you, first of all. Oh. You know, I always saw that in you. You, no. you were always hustling, truly. You know, you always had stars. No, stars in your eyes isn't right. You just had big ambitions and I always not- always noticed that and appreciated that. Feeling is yeah. mutual though. Like I remember watching you because you've been in America for how long now? I think like nine years now. And I mean there's citizen, no, right? the time just flies in, in Los Angeles. But, yeah, I, and um, I recently became an American, I actual know. American citizen. But um, I, I came here, it was in between filming season one and season two of Danger 5 and I thought, you know, I'm going to be a huge star because I'm the lead in this comedy and um, I thought I knew everything and I came over here and, you know, I, a big casting director uh, at Warner Brothers, I think it was, recommended me to a management company and I went back to Australia, filmed the second season, you know, got my visa. Everybody wanted to see me for roles. Mm. I was like living large, came back to LA, moved in, you know, found a place and all that jazz I was driving around a convertible. What <laughs> <Why'd> you? <laughs> I remember driving into the Sunset Gower Studios in Hollywood oh. in my convertible, you know, giving my name to the front person and going through the gate and just thinking, this is amazing. Oh. You know, and I was intoxicated by Los Angeles. Oh. Um, and I knew that, I knew that they really, this might be different now. And perhaps what I'm about to say is a bit of an escape route, but I didn't feel like there was much opportunity for me in Australia. I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'm not like going to be on home and away. I'm not, I'm not some, you know, super heteronormative Aussie bloke that's going to get all these roles. Like there just wasn't anything that I was fitting in for. And I thought if I come here, there's so many more opportunities totally. and like strange comedies and things that really are my wheelhouse and sitcoms. Mm. I thought I, this is where I need to be. Mm. Um that makes total sense yeah. though. Like even in Australia, like I've just done three years of training, acting training in Australia and at the end mm. you're like, so do I audition for Neighbours or Home and Away? It feels like they are my options. Or maybe if I'm lucky, Sydney Theatre Company or Melbourne Theatre Company, but every man and their dog is going yeah. for that. Yeah. And the people that have got more runs on the board are going to get that above you. And that the thing that I find in Australia and I – Love Australia, but the same, and I've like got a passion for TV presenting and hosting as well, mm-hmm. but the same people are cast over and over and over again. So yes. it's so hard to get your foot in the door. And then there's also, as a female in Australia, like you've got this time, like expiry date kind of stamped yeah. on you, whereas here I don't feel that. Yeah, no, no. I mean, things have changed so much in yeah. the last five years. Like it's very different now. I think in both countries, but particularly here, where, and it's about time, but like diversity is key. You know, we want all different shapes and sizes and genders and sexualities represented on screen. And I think bigger personalities or more genuine personalities are successful now, whereas we preferred like a generic kind of, you know, I think I would have been really super successful here if I'd come here like 15 years ago, you know, in a lot, you know, I have a bit of a, I can have a bit of a generic look and I could, but now like there's so much and rightfully so diverse faces here and the yeah. industry has changed so much. And yes, Australia's behind, but it is changing. Yeah, totally. And okay. yeah, and I see it all the time, like as a, a acting coach, yeah. you know, I see a lot of people go to certain levels in roles and, you know, or people will get cast and each year it's getting more and more, um, more and more inclusive. Yeah, so that's so that's it just gives me a lot of hope like in Australia I remember I was in acting class and someone's like as soon as you hit 37 as a female you will be just cast as a mum and I was like, "Oh, 
That's a bit heartbreaking. Yeah, I mean, I, 37, that's even amazing. Yeah, I, remember, I heard you say that to me. I, yeah, I remember the day I turned 30. Uh, it was my birthday and I played a dad that day in a commercial. Like, yeah. And I was like, this is it, I'm 30. And you know what I had done on the, the last day of my 30s, the day before? <laughs> I did a comedy sketch for like Funny or Die, I think, and I played like a male porn star. Amazing. <laughs> and I had to like take my top off. So that was the last day of my 29. The first day of 30 was being a dad, putting a Band-Aid on my kid that had like fallen down, you know. <laughs> Amazing. I had an actor on talk about the commercial world world here as an mm-hmm. actor versus like, you know, you've been talking about sitcoms and I want to talk about drama because I loved your drama reel. I oh, thought God. it was awesome. Yes, there's a dramatic actor in me just screaming to get uh, yeah. out. <laughs> But um, uh, this actor said, he goes, when you're doing commercials, you look at yourself as working in advertising. Like it's not about like finding the perfect moment before. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) It's like give the client what they want. (laughs) Truly. Like for the first few years I was here, I wasn't allowed to get a commercial agent. Uh, They were like, you're, they call it a theatrical actor here, you know, TV and film here is what they call it. So you're a theatrical actor, you don't do commercials. Oh, really? We don't want that. And and I, you know, I had a sort of a good first six months here. You know, I booked a pilot for AMC and I was like, you know, my dream of working on the lot, you know, and I remember being waving to the trolley as it goes past at Universal as I'm coming out of my dressing room. And I remember when I was 10 years old, waving at those actors going into the dressing rooms, you know, near the Jaws ride at Universal. And I thought, this is amazing. And I I had a lot of, I think, ambition and I had a lot of hope that I would go a certain way. And then, of course, after six months, I'd had all the meetings and things just, I wasn't getting the traction that, I had initially had and I don't think I was putting in the effort really. I got distracted by going out maybe a little bit. I got depressed and I kind of hid and, you know, a year went by and I'm like, well, I need, I really need to work. So I said, let's get me that commercial agent. And then I got the commercial agent and that was really great for a couple of years. Like I did, (laughs) I did some big campaigns here. I did, I did, um, I did a bit, there's a Coles with a K here, which is like, it's like Macy's, but um, it's mainly in um, like the Midwest and, and I did a big ad campaign. There was like seven commercials and um, it was, I I was in an interracial same sex couple and which doesn't set like, this is five or six years ago now and it doesn't sound like a big deal now. But having that broadcast on high rotation across the country for all their Thanksgiving commercials yeah. and, you know, and even the experience of filming it, like a massive budget and we're on New York Street in the uh, Universal lot oh. and, like, the, the amount of closeness that we could have and I had to fight for, you know, my character to have, you know, I'm not going to high-five my husband. We're going to, you know, give yeah. each other a kiss or a hug and, like, how's that going to go down in the Midwest? And, like, the commercial <sighs> world was really interesting because it is, it's like advertising to their credit, they took a risk and they yeah. did it and they were a little bit ahead of the curve but I think because of a lot of where the uh, commercial was focused, I ended up getting like death threats. No. And, yeah, and it was on, it was on, the, um, on the front page of the Washington Post actually, <gasps> like, well, you know, like, which is crazy to think about it, wow. the fact that that was such a big step for that company at the time to have representation. So, you know, as, wow. as to what I said earlier, like now, I mean – it's the pink dollar. Everybody's, yeah, you know, totally. they want so much diversity in their commercial casting, which Five is great. Five years like that, I can imagine that would. Yeah. 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 Whoa. Yeah. Good so, on you, but that's so, scary. Yeah. And I, but I don't really do commercial work anymore. So, but that was a nice little period and helped, you know, get me through yeah. you know, my ultra impoverished days living in Los Angeles and, you know. But I, I'm so glad that you're talking about like the realness of being here because I a lot of people say to me like, what's it like? And like I'm in the, the starry-eyed phase yeah, of yeah. like, oh, my goodness, there's a Hollywood sign. Every time I like drive home I see the Hollywood sign, I still still like feel inspired when I see it. But I'm like people should know it's a rough town. Like and when I say rough and tough, I mean it's it's tough to make it, and I think that it. This is a game of resilience, above nearly all else. You know, you know, it's so funny you say that. There was a saying that I used to have. I don't know if it's my saying, so I might have heard it somewhere else. Yeah. But it was 
Los Angeles is less about talent. It's more about how much failure you can take before you leave. Uh, you know, and so if you can, there, I mean, the level of rejection here is, and the level of competitiveness is phenomenal. Yeah. And a lot of people think, you know, it's a, it's a city full of, you know, they say in the dating world, it's a city of 10s looking for an 11. So tickets saying that we're here. <laughs> we're t- but <laughs> I love that. Tickets. I've been trying to make tickets a thing in America. <laughs> um, but, you know, you're, you, you, you make it to the top of your game in a country or, you know, you, you have some success and then you decide I'm going to come to Los Angeles, step my game up. Well, everyone else here is like that too. Yeah. And you're no longer special. And yeah. the level of skill and the competitiveness, it's wild. 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 <laughs> and you're like, I've done stuff. And then, you, oh. you're, you're, then you're doing a, you know, a network test next to someone that's been here since they were six years old yeah. and has an IMDb credit list like as long as my legs. It's, you know, yeah. um, it's, just a, it's a very different game. But it's, it is intoxicating because you can come from obscurity in a way and, and – you know, Australia has that thing, like, where did you go to school? Where did you train? Totally. Here it's like, impress me in the room. Totally. Show me what you got yeah. in the room. I don't know what I want to see. You show me what I need. Yeah. I don't really care if you went to NIDA. I don't really care. Don't get me wrong. There's lots of great things that, you know, people learn from that. And this is also from, you know, my, like, directing and coaching yeah. side of things. It's, yeah, it's 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 a, it's a very interesting uh, industry here and it's just brutal though it's it's yeah it's brutal like and that's you know my uh, ups and downs here and my depression like I, I pretty much hid from the industry for a while and I'm, I think I kind of have done that recently and I'm sort of re-emerging now I didn't really want to go out I wanted to sort of focus on writing and directing because I'd had so much rejection and after a while it can it can wear you down, you know. But I can even feel that like I caught up with you as soon as I landed here, mm. pretty much, and then I caught up with you in pierogi last week. Your new <sighs> should we? Know. We better just <laughs> take a little pierogi side break. Let's listen, take away. listeners. <laughs> I have to tell you about a very important development. Uh, so, so Lola met my puppy who I rescued just two weeks ago. Oh. His name is Pierogi. He is an eight-month-old puppy, uh, pug. And he was abandoned at the South LA Animal Shelter. And then um, because he stopped being able to walk mm. and poor little thing. And, and I think he was at a breeder's because they cut his voice box out, little pierogi. And, um, uh, yeah, I, uh, I adopted him two weeks ago and he's got his wheelchair now and he's walking and, oh, you know. He's so gentle he's and sweet. He's such a gentle though. little sweetheart. A little angel in your life. Yeah, but I think even just having like him in my life and like a little dog to care for. It's made me feel a bit more social and more engaged with people because after the last 16 months of lockdown and talk about failures like things that, okay, so. Go. So, yeah, I was just, I was doing quite well, you know, up until just before COVID and I, my coaching business, I moved into a a bigger studio that was on a studio lot. (gasps) You know, dream, in Hollywood. Right? Yeah, it was great. Yeah. And it was beautiful. Like I had views of LA and um, I started that in January 2020. Um, and, you know, by the time the construction all finished and I came back from doing a, a job for a couple of weeks, I had six weeks before it got shut down. Um, and then I just had this empty big studio that I couldn't use. And you were probably paying rent for. Yeah, on yeah. On a lot. Yeah, on a lot, you know, which was a lot. Yeah. Um, so that was a big hit and then, you know, so I just kind of sat at home and I thought about all the things I'd lost and I felt like I was cheated out of, you know, the success that I put myself out there to grow, you know, but it is such a common story. Like so many people have gone through this. So many small businesses have shut down. Um, so many people have gone home too. Well, yes. I mean, a lot of a lot of the people that I work with are... Um, Australian, UK and New Zealand expats living yeah. here. Um, and, you know, that was my main client base here. Yeah. I love them, you know, yeah. helped a lot of people, you know, and then everybody went home. Like, I mean, and even my friends, I'm talking like 80, 90% of everyone yeah. I know here is gone. So, you know, it's, there's just been a lot of, a lot of loss and a lot of isolation yeah. uh, in, in the last Really, like last two year, last year and a half, 
Um, but getting my little pierogi has, oh. you know, given me fresh eyes and a bit of a, a, a opened my heart up a little bit. And he's such a little trooper. Oh, but, yeah. But also I feel like your energy, even from the first time we hung out to the second time to even now, like you're on fire. Like it's only a matter of time until like. I'm back. But, <laughs> yeah. but more than back, like in and watching, that's why it was such a joy to research you and, and look at your different show reels and like seeing you do drama dramatic acting as well like I like dramatic stuff freaks me out like I'm like oh this feels yeah. really heavy and yeah. real and um I guess my question for you around that is like because you've got like I would say like comedic bones yes right yeah. how do you then go and this might be more of an acting coach question but how do you go from and I know comedy, you're playing for something that you really care about and the stakes still still feel really high. But mm. there's such a joy with comedy. Like you, when you're in it, there's this like it feels like the energy refeeds you or something and fuels you. But drama can be really heavy. Yeah. How do you like differentiate the two? You know, one big thing that I always look for is, you know, I'm very like results kind of driven, I guess. And, you know, Comedy can mean a lot of things. So you'll be talking like a sitcom comedy, so like a Friends type, yeah, you know, multicam yeah. thing. Are we talking like a single cam, like Girls? Are we talking, you know, a mockumentary? What kind of comedy? Mm. And then there's different levels of drama as well. Like is it an HBO drama? So everything has different facets and tones. Yeah. Um, when it comes to like sitcom acting, it's about technique. It is about you said that. Yeah, yeah. I when I I thought <laughs> I thought I had it in the yeah. bag. You know, when I first got here, I did some network tests for some, com- uh, some you know, big network comedies, yeah. you know, um, and I thought I was in a bit and and I wasn't booking any of them and a producer called my agent and said, you know, he's great. No, we love him, but he doesn't know sitcoms. And I'm like, what? Like he doesn't really understand American yeah. sitcoms. And then I went and I studied them and like, the writing beats, and that's really where I fell in love with writing as well. Like there is a technique and a formula on that page. If you're working in sitcom comedy and you're acting like it's, you know, a, you know, a single cam comedy, it's going to be destroyed. Yeah. So like it's about knowing the craft and then finding your like magic source Within, on top of that. Yeah. yeah. But with drama, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting here. You know, you can learn a lot. In terms of craft, but I, I do think that I find some people sort of have it and some people don't. Yeah. I think like the people that have what I call like a glass face, you know, you can almost see right through them. Yeah. They don't have to do much, but you place a lot of import on what they're thinking. They end up finding their work in drama a lot easier. Got it. Um, it's, it's such a, it's such a, difficult thing to really explain when someone flies in a room, you know, but it's a beautiful thing to watch. And I, like, I need to, I found that I really need to be very calm if I'm doing anything dramatic, like, because I want to please and, you know. Yeah. You know, now I don't. Yeah. <laughs> now I don't really care and yeah. it's made my work a lot better. Yeah. But, you know. Um, that yeah. makes sense. No, that makes total sense. Because I saw a clip from America, is it American Woman? And I yeah. was like. Fuck, that would have been like quite confronting. Like even the the scene that I saw, like yeah. this chick just randomly comes up to you in the middle of souping. Mia Silvari, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just as like straight up as like you're you're homosexual in front of like quite loud, <laughs> like you know. I know, I know. That was you know that was um that was that was hard actually. Yeah. Also because you know I've seen her in American Beauty and I grew oh, up watching yeah. her and then here I am like you know, working with her, but yeah. she was so lovely. And, yeah, that even doing that part brought up some stuff for me, you know, because I've been hidden, yeah. you know, in a lot. Like when I say I don't care anymore, like I'm, I'm sort of talking about, you know, my identity and I try to be quite generic here, you know, and like not reveal like yeah. my sexuality or, you know, and, and I was told actively by my Australian agent back in the day that's great. You can be what you want to be, but just keep that hidden. No. Keep that down. Keep that down. I was at like a upfronts kind of event, which is where they like launch new shows and they kind of parade the yes, actors around. Yes. And some executives came up with my agent and one of the executives literally 
wrote dollar signs on my chest and were like, you're going to be huge. And then my agent took me aside and said, you're going to be huge, but you've got to keep the sexuality thing <gasps> hidden. Um, look, at, look around the room, look at how the women are looking at you. That's how you're going to make it. And that, that messed me up, Lola. Oh, understandably. <laughs> so I was real hidden and it kind of affected everything I was doing. So now I'm more myself and, yeah. you know, it's, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I have anything to hide and it's only made me better. But that was like, that's like a wasted eight years of my life of trying to be. But to, like also I think to do good work as an actor, right, there has to be a sense of like. Uh, freedom within yourself to be able to go to wherever, yeah. whatever audition is thrown in front of you. Yeah. And if you've got this part of yourself that you're like feel like you're hiding or there's mm-hmm. a sense of shame and stuff, that's going to completely get in the way of you giving yourself to the work. Right. Is it not like totally? I'm like, is this is this what a is this what a straight man does? Is this good? Oh, good day, you know, like, and I can't do that. I'm <laughs> not good at it. Lol. I try. You know, but it's. You really get in your head and it's just not The good. only silver lining and compliment of all of that is like at least your agent could see how gorgeous you are. Oh, it was God. like, see how the women are looking at you? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I felt like a piece of meat. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, that's like, oh, hot, like, yeah, mental. Like I've, mm. so... I, and I am going to come across as quite ignorant when I when I speak right now and and extremely privileged... But I like my mum raised me where we were raised by mum and like gay guys. Like that was just the way that I was raised. So for me, it's always been like normal because my parents separated super, super young. Yeah. And so you do a week with dad, but then you do a week with mum and Larry and Andrew. Like that was just the week on, week off. So for me, I never until maybe the first time I came here when I was really young, someone pulled me aside and was like, Lola, you don't understand how privileged you are. Like you're white, you're straight, you're like there are the, right. all these things that you don't real." And I had no concept. But it hasn't been since really like diving into the craft of acting and like on my mm-hmm. first class where I studied in Australia, a teacher was like, um, hey, my name's Julia, these are my pronouns, what are yours? And I was like, oh, this is cool. My dad just called me to ask me why he got an email and at the end of it it said she, her, as the person that said it to him. He's like, my darling, what does that mean? My dad's Irish. And and I had to explain to him what pronouns were and his mind was blown. Whereas here, America, it's it's standard. Totally. But like how, like, and that's, I'm so glad that you feel like you give less of a shit about what people think of you because I think that that's going to be the magic in like, Next level for you. I think so. And I mean, I see it already like in reaction because, okay, so this is a a movement that's been here for a while. I guess you could call it a movement, but um, it's also occurring in Australia where it's, you know, a lot of transgender roles um, historically have been played by non-transgender actors. You know, um, Eddie Redmayne, you know, um, there's lots of different people that have um, taken those roles. And you just talked about your privilege, you know. And in a way, you know, they can be seen. Because of their privilege, they're able to get to a certain point where they were seen and known by directors and cast and given this great opportunity. But there are trans actors out there that wanted that opportunity and wanted to tell that story. And it's like... Sometimes we forget that we are so privileged that, you know, we can kind of do anything, but we're actually getting in the way of some other people telling their genuine stories and yeah. their genuine self. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just and, – and also for, for gay roles, like I, I, I certainly don't believe that, you know, an actor has to be gay to play a gay role. Mm. But there is something in, you know, having an – where we are now, we've come to a lot of acceptance. It's not all over, you know, for, for gay people being accepted. My God. I got oh. spat on on the street la- last week. You know, it's not all, like, oh. wild. Can you believe? You know, no. and I'm like, COVID. But, but, <laughs> but, you know, there have been projects that have gone on in Australia where there was pretty much a predominantly straight cast playing a gay story. Yes. And I know a lot of gay actors that 
are very, very talented. I'm yeah. not saying there was a lack of talent, but because there was like a, a maybe a privileged circle of, you know, cisgender white actors got pretty yeah. much just thrown in the role when there were these amazing passionate voices that understood the story personally. And would be telling their own story. Almost, like right. there'd be such a. Right. Oh, and, yeah. it's, and it's like, you know, now it's not acceptable to be playing a different race, whereas, you know, 50 years ago, Mickey Rooney, you know, whatever, <laughs> there was all sorts of things. So um, I don't know how I got onto that topic, no, but we're talking I about love, privilege. But, no, yeah, love, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a, I think it's a time. I think I've, for us to be authentic. You and I have spoken about, I've had Zoe Tarakis on this podcast mm. who's on Wentworth and yeah. plays a character called Reb who is Love. trans. Yeah. And uh, Zoe wasn't auditioned for the role, didn't get it because or wasn't, was like 15 years too young for the for the really? role. Zoe's uh, on-screen partner was. Kate Box, yeah. who I love. Hi, Kate. She's the best. Oh. Yeah. So I think um, Kate had a huge impact on Zoe as yeah. well about coming out and whatnot. And but um, Zoe ended up writing an email to I think the producers and said, "This is my story. Let me tell it." Stop really. And got the got called in the next day. Oh, I love that. Right. And I it, love that. And yeah, like just and, yeah. And let's think like. Let's be real and specific here. So first of all, I'm a Wentworth freak. I love oh, Wentworth. Like so you give good. me like female lesbian prison drama power oh, yeah. dynamics, I'm there. Yeah. But, you know, but um, Socrates Otto, who was on Wentworth, hasn't been on Wentworth for a few years now, yeah. I believe, not to be a spoiler alert or anything, but Socrates, I believe, identifies as a, a cisgender male who played a transgender character oh, on Wentworth. And now it. to have Reb, you know, having yeah. like authentic representation, how far are we coming? Great work, Australia. Yeah. Let's keep that up, you yeah. know. So, and and what did not Socrates did a fabulous job, you know, yeah. great in that role. But there was a trans person watching that that would have loved to have been able to tell that story. So, and I think yeah. across the board, like Zoe talked about, like understanding what binders are and all the like, yeah, the, the whole like it's not it's it's not just in casting; mm-hmm. it needs to filter the whole way through. You yeah. know, yeah. So I'm so glad you spoke to that because I think there needs to be more. Like we need to like, and it's it's just a, especially for. Um, like people that are fans that just watch the shows like and just consume right. and go, I love this show, but it's like now you get to be educated and watch this show, right? And that's powerful. And that's what a, like a high-quality show like Wentworth does. I mean, it's such a good show. It is, yeah. and, and if I may, <laughs> okay, so if anybody hasn't watched Wentworth, you should start watching it. It's on totally. Netflix. But all these fantastic Australian female actresses who maybe, you know, past that 37-year yeah. thing and then we'll play a mum on, you know, her yeah. way and they're getting these amazing yeah. meaty roles. So like, meaty. you know, yeah. you know, like so, so juicy and the the acting they get to do and oh. the stories they get to tell, it's like, it's like a better version of Orange is the New Black. Yes, I, I think yeah. you're saying that. Yeah, I I'm also- going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I've got some questions for you. You have been phenomenal. But I just, I guess as well for people, a lot of actors listen to this and mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of dreamers and the okay. audience is mainly Aussie at the moment, right. but I think that slowly changes yeah. or like growing, should I say. We love yeah. you, Australia. Yeah. But um, what would you say are some misconceptions? Like I think misconceptions around Aussies coming to America and you've kind of touched on it, but like you, you come here, yeah. you've got a pretty good body of work behind you. Yeah. And it's like I, because you, you hear the stories of like, okay, well, Margot Robbie made it, Chris Hemsworth made it, why can't I? Do you know what I mean? Like Right, well, you know, I you know, I can tell you like I don't really know Chris's story, but I know Margot worked her uh, butt yeah. off. Yeah. You know, she um and this is this is sort of applicable, like I didn't do this, I'll say this, but you know, now I wish I sort of had. Like Margot worked so hard and saved her money on neighbors, right? I think yeah. she was working on and like would spend nights studying accents. This is, I believe, you know. Yeah, no, I've heard this. Uh, and, uh, you know, and so when she came here, she had a buffer. For pre- she could work for, she could not get be employed for th- three years or something yeah. and just focus on auditioning. 
you know, and live basically and, you know, and, and get by. That is a really great template for anyone that's looking to come here. Um, you're not going to get discovered walking down Rodeo <laughs> Drive, you know, like Sandra Bullock was. You're going to have to put in the hard work um, and you're going to have to have thick skin mm. because, like, it's really brutal what happens here and you're going to have to know yourself or you'll fall into like a dark hole like I did after, you know, getting a bit of, and I thought I was really resilient. And I do believe I am a resilient person yeah. now, but, you know, it's going to be hard. And I think, um, yeah, there's just a misconception here, misconception here that it, you get like endless amounts of auditions and possibilities and you make a ton of money when you book a job. And certainly you can make money that you couldn't dream of making in Australia. Yeah. But, you know, if you're doing a, a day or two on a film, you're not bringing home a lot once SAG take out their bit and your agents and managers, you know, and you've got to find a way to like survive here. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I've really been broke. Like I've been destitute here before. Oh. I've gone up and down. Like I can, I, like I can a hundred percent, I've been here for three months and I have not made one US cent. Yeah. I'm, I'm making Australian dollars while it's, I'm here. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's, it's confronting, rough. like yeah. I mean, I got evicted from an yeah. apartment. You know, I couldn't pay my rent. Um, you know, and I, I recently had an experience. Side note, okay, no. Well, I will tell you this. I yeah. recently had an experience. I was in Australia year before last, mm. and um, and and I was like in, talking to a panel or something, and somebody made a joke about me just being like having it really easy being in Hollywood and like how much hardship could you have seen? Oh, wow. Um, you know, you're an actor in LA, how hard is that? I didn't say anything, but I thought you have, you actually don't have any idea how hard mm. it's been for me here. I mean, it's a lot harder for a lot of other people, but, you know, I've had nowhere to live at times. You know, yeah. I've had, you know, lucky I've had friends' couches to crash on and, you know, it's, I've had literally no idea what I'm going to do, you know. And then, you know, you get a commercial and a check and it changes everything and, mm. you know, you struggle with trying to find your way. And, you know, eventually you do or you go home. Have you heard the famous <laughs> George Clooney story? Um, no, he was it's, on ER, right? Yeah, yeah no, no, but, but before that no. he, he was like the guy that famously shot 30 pilots and got none of them, was staying on people's couches, yep. had no money, broke, and then... Uh, this happened, I think, about 10 years ago. He invited 12 people over for dinner and um, he got a suitcase for each of the 12 people and they didn't know one another and then they all sat down at dinner and he pulled up a globe, like a an earth globe, and uh -huh. he was like, because of you I got the job that meant that I could travel here because of you letting me stay on your couch when I was broke. I was able to chase my dreams as an actor and get X, Y, and Z. Wow. And he said, all of you have impacted my life. So in this suitcase is $1 million tax-free for you. Go pay your mortgage off. Go send your kids to school, whatever you want to do. Oh, my God. Right. <laughs> yeah. That gave me chills. Because I think he made it at like mid-30s, 37, I think, yeah. or something like that. But there are a lot of stories about that, like Jeremy wow. Piven's 37. Like there are a lot of... Um, stories of that struggle, but you don't always hear about it. You know, you just see the, right? you know, George Clooney's successful. Right. And like a lot of, you know, so a lot of my, I've seen a lot of clients, my acting coaching business has been happening for six or seven years, yeah. right? And, you know, it's built up and I've started to get, um, you know, well, it's a combination of some of my clients becoming very successful yeah. um, and, you know, getting like a lot of wealth and then, you know, and then consequently getting some wealthy sort of celebrities, you know, as my clients as well. And there's so much generosity, like when people really do make it, like yeah. it's it's kind of amazing, you know, like it, it's a, you can tell who is going to be a generous artist and 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 support people like that. I've been the beneficiary of a few of them, mm. um, and and those that are going to be insular about it, you know. Yeah. And 
and here there's so much like generosity when people like pick, I've got, you know, rich friends and they'll be like, I got the tab and they pick up the tab for all of us no. who are like, you know, and I'm like, that's a thousand dollar tab. But, you know, they're like, I've got it because they can afford it. Yeah. And, you know, we would all do the same for each other. Yeah. You know? But what's hard is like asking for help for some people. Like I found yeah. it really hard to be like, hey, I'm struggling here. And I just sort of suffered alone. Um, a lot of the time. I think that's an astral. So I don't think Aussies are the same. Like I think Americans are actually, what I've learned here, um, they care. Like the, they really do like yeah. if you did ask for help, people would be like, oh, my goodness, I might not be able to help you but I think my friend can. Or like I, I get the vibe here. Like, oh, yeah. I just, yeah, I just feel like Americans really check in and always like, you know. In Australia we'd say like, you're right, and it's like, yeah, it doesn't really give you much room no, for discussion, does it? No. Whereas here it's like, what's going on with you? And then, yeah. you know, they're like, you know, and everyone's also, it's a city of everyone that's been to a lot of therapy. Yeah. <laughs> so we're all very emotionally literate here. Um, yeah, you, there's a lot more checking in here. And I think there's a stereotype of what people are like in LA that is false and true at the same time. Yeah. You know, there's, there can be a lot of cruel people here. Yeah. Um, and just a lot of like really crazy people here. Yeah. But... But like I said earlier, that there's so many people who reach the top of their game and then came in their country and then came here, they reach the top of their game because most likely they're talented and a good person. Mm. And if you surround yourself with that kind of good energy, living here is like, it's like being in the Olympic village of like the entertainment industry, oh. if that makes sense. Oh, you know? I love and that. Yeah, love and, that. and, and there's so much generosity there. Mm. But it's very hard sometimes to be vulnerable in this city because fame is the most valuable currency. And mm. to say you're not succeeding at every turn um, can devalue you in some people's eyes. And it's scary to be vulnerable here and say, I'm struggling, I'm not working. You know, everyone's always got projects on the go here, mm. undefined projects. It's, you know, so <laughs> yeah. th- there's a lot yeah. of catches here. It's a, yeah. it's a complex place that can't be whittled down to one or two sort of catchphrases. It's, it's, it's a mess. And it somehow works at the same time. Last time we caught up, mm. you and I were sitting with pierogi at yeah. the park having yeah. our coffees and I said to you, I really feel like I'm changing as a human being since I've been here and yeah. you looked me deadpan in the face and you're like, this will change you. Yes. This, this place changes you. Yeah. And it stuck with me like ever like and, and I think yes in a resilient sense because I've th- really thought about that sentence but like yes in a resilient sense but then – and yes, in an opportunity, like opening your eyes to opportunity, like mm. we have four networks in Australia. There are how many TV networks here? Like yes. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. um, but it feels like it changes you in that um, you ha- and it comes back to this story at the start how you were saying like you have to be so free to be who you are and like actually who you really are because that's what's going to take you to the next level. And if you're willing to do that and do that work because yeah. it's fucking uncomfortable to yeah. sit with who you really are, yeah, that's when the opportunity to like live beyond your dreams can come true, I think. Yeah. No, truly. And, uh, you know, I'll say this to you. You have to really have a – you've got a good idea of who you are and who you are in Australia and you have to treasure that because coming here you will change and you'll compare it to home. Yeah. And I did something that I hope you don't do and maybe this can be a cautionary tale, but in my mind I poisoned Australia to myself because I didn't want to fail and go back. So I said, I hate Australia. I hate, you know, I don't want to go back. Nobody, this this was, I had lots of reasons why I hated Australia. So I stayed, I think it was five years before I didn't even go home once, you know. Oh, wow. And, and you don't need to do that to stay here. You can have a positive mindset about where you came from and all the good that it's given you. And you can still want to want to stay here too. You don't need to have a negative outlook. But at times when things were really bad here, the way I poisoned Australia in my mind kept me here through the hard times. Yeah. But it's not ultimately a healthy way to do it. Australia has a lot to give um, and there are issues with it too. After you've lived here, you see things from a certain perspective. You know, that, that that's just mm. going to be the case. But it will just change you here and 
you know, they say comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. You need to enjoy and celebrate the things that you have there and who you are there and then totally. who you are here. And eventually that will kind of marry together and you'll probably become a more assertive person. You'll probably become a more yeah. direct person. Yeah. You'll probably become a more loud person. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, like yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you cut through a lot of bullshit here, yeah. and 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 that easygoing Australian attitude can be at odds with sometimes the person you might become here. Um, I don't doubt you're going to change too much. You've got a strong idea of who you are, but you know, I just you know, that's just something I found. No, for I myself. like it yeah. though. I like it, and and I love that you said that about Australia as well because. Since I've got here, obviously I got vaccinated. I know you are as well. Yeah. Um, I got a lot of trolling and bullying for being That's vaccinated right. from Aussies. And I was yeah. like, guys, it's super serious here. Like it's really COVID is no joke. Like right before this I was telling you someone that was 22 that died from COVID two weeks ago, yeah. you know, here in LA. Yeah. And it's just um, – I think at the start when I first got here, I did get a little bad taste for Australia only because I was getting smashed. Like every time I was doing a Trader Joe shop, people were like, your plastic consumption's too much. And I'm like, guys, COVID is real. People are trying to minimize the spread of COVID. And right. Yeah. That was, yeah, that's, yep, that was a thing too. Yeah. Right. I've just, and I was like, oh, I feel like I'm constantly explaining. But then there is like the beauty of, um, I love, this is one thing that I do love that I'm so surprised how much I, I love being an Australian here. Oh, yeah, they love us. We're like a little snack or like a little treat. <laughs> I'm waiting for it to get old and people are still like, oh, my God, you're Aussie. Uh, I love it. And then when they find out I'm also Irish, they just lose it. You know? Oh, yeah, you're double yeah, whammy. Yeah, yeah, or triple now, I guess. Oh, um, yeah. Totally. But, yeah, no, like I would, I can understand that. I mean, you did a sensible thing here that like most people in the city have done, get vaccinated yeah. and then you're getting – look the. Let's just talk on this for one second. There's a very different view of COVID in Australia than there is here. Yeah. In Australia, I think most people, it's been an inconvenience. Yeah. But for the people that lived here for the last 16 months, it's been life-threatening. Yes. I saw ambulances take away people in body bags next door. You know, like there was like some older residents that um. died when I was living in Beverly Hills for the beginning of the pandemic. You know, it was brutal. Like yeah. I know people who died and people who got really sick and have long-haul COVID and I think the attitude of like the lucky country and as Scott Morrison said, you know, the wait and see approach, it's, I don't want to maybe privilege, arrogance is too strong, but it, it's, yeah. and now it's unfortunately rearing its ugly head, the, hes- the not the hesitancy, but like the, the she'll be right attitude on it. And now, you know, there's so many lockdowns occurring yeah. and Sydney's getting increasing numbers into the high 200s. Yeah. So, you know, anyone that, you know, had a go at you about being vaccinated, yeah. okay, but you've got to understand that, you know, we're all in this together and, like, go get vaccinated because if you can, you know, some people yeah. can't, but if you can, go get vaccinated. It's going to make us all get back to normal a lot quicker and you did the right And I love that you got right off the plane and went straight. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I feel that, like, um, camaraderie is here. Like I can feel that here. Like when I – because I, I wanted Pfizer, so I booked into this clinic in Inglewood because yeah. that was what offered Pfizer yeah, right. that day. And literally it was like, you are a hero for getting vaccinated. Like it's so celebrated here. Yeah. Like, well done, you've done a great thing. Like, and it just, it, for me, I did it for community safety and my own safety as well. I was like, I'm living alone. Like I don't have my safety net of people that are going to look after me yeah, here. Yeah, I would have. No, thank you. <laughs> thank you. In a hazmat suit, even yeah. though I'm vaccinated. <laughs> okay, I have, I know where, I know we're going. I want to be mindful of your time. Um, what advice would you have for like a young, hopeful actor anywhere in the world? Because you're coaching. I haven't worked with you as a coach yet, but we, um, just from hanging out, I'm like, oh, I want whatever this this magic yeah. is in front of me. So I trust whatever your little gem of advice is here. Okay. Well, I'd say I my thing is I sort of marry the craft of acting yeah. with the art of acting. Okay. So on the craft side, I'd say if you want to work in screen, know how you look in a mid-shot. Yeah. So record yourself doing auditions. Look back at them. Learn technique. I won't get into it, but you've got to really, I mean, there's an amazing technique that, you know, you can learn about and it's <laughs> very successful once you kind of know. You've got to keep watching yourself and practice. The, on the art side of things, 
I wouldn't say it's so much about a particular method or a particular class. I'd say go live your life, Mm. learn who you are, learn what drives you, find out who you are, love it, celebrate it, and then share it with us in that mid-shot because what you've got is special. What you've got is just you. And going to live your life, you'll have rich experiences. Yeah, you can draw on them in your acting. You'll just be a more engaging person. If you give up your whole life just for acting, you're going to be hollow almost. Like mm. there's a rich life around you. Go live it. Mm. And acting can be part of it, you know. But, and I will also say if you can be happy doing anything else, do something else. Yeah. <laughs> but if you can't, then, you know, I'll see you in L.A. <laughs> Come to my studio. <laughs> I've heard. I've heard. And the um, I think for... Aussies living, I think they should totally, I'll put all your um, socials and whatnot and Mm -hmm. website as well because I think that there's some exciting things probably coming for you ahead with, you know, where the coaching takes you. But also I want to know because I have a feeling like, like even last time we spoke you were, you just shot a really great audition and tomorrow you're on a shoot, you've come from rehearsal tonight. What is like the dream gig? I saw you do a a Danger 5 interview where you were like Jurassic Park. Oh, my (laughs) God. Yeah, I mean, I would love to be on Jurassic Park. Come on. Even just the guy picking up the margaritas and running. That would be heavy. (laughs) (laughs) I Like I always said I wanted to be the first ginger James Bond. but Oh, um, you're so James Bond. Yeah, but like. But I wanted to be like a, you know, a queer ginger James yeah. Bond. Okay, but that might not fly and I'm getting a bit old for that. But um, I will say this, I just love sitcoms. And, I, you know, yeah. I think the most success I've had or the closest I've come to like a big life-changing kind of gig has been on a sitcom, you know. Mm. I love the way sitcoms are made. It's in LA. I love the technique and I love being able to almost like guarantee a laugh. Not a crappy sitcom, like a Will and Grace and, you know, like these ones that are brilliant. Yeah. For me... That would be a dream job, you know. Um, I would love, I really, and I'm hoping that I'll, you know, it'll actually all come through one day. Of course it will. I don't doubt that yeah. for one. Like knowing you and but, hanging with you, 100% it will. Yeah. So that's the, that, that's what I'd love to do. But, you know, I make sure that I'm happy mm. until that happens. And if it doesn't happen, I'm still happy living my life here, mm. you know. I'm I get to make a big difference in people's lives with coaching. Like for me, it's just always been about making sure someone has a positive experience and really helping them get to the next level, which is why I have had so much success with my clients. I'm so happy doing that. And, you know, now I've re-engaged with my own dream a little bit. You know, Mm. that's not replacing anything. So I'm happy. You can do it all though. This is what I love. Like. People, the amount of um, podcasts that I go on as a guest and people are like, so you're a nutritionist, why are you training in acting? And I'm like, that's such a weird way to look at like things. Like why can't we do it all? Like why can't we? I think that like since I've been here, three people have asked me to read sides in my accent so that they can learn the Australian accent. I was like, when I come back, I should just be teaching Australian dialect on the side for sure. Like, oh, for sure. Right? Like, and I just think you can. They'll never be able to do it, side note. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Aussie. I hate it. <laughs> it's very hard for Americans to get that Aussie accent down. But I think it's, there is, it's, it, there is no, like, rhyme or weight. Like, you can go about it by having many feathers in your cap. Like, I'm a big believer in that. Mm-hmm. I own a coffee company, for goodness sakes. Amazing. It's got nothing to do with acting. No. Nothing to do with TV hosting. Zero. Yeah. But it's about, like, finding those things, like you said, that make you happy and bring purpose. I think purpose is a real biggie with understanding who you are and your value system. Yeah. And to what I said earlier, you went out and lived your life, you know. Yeah. You're living your life. Yeah. And now you're bringing acting, you're welcoming some acting into that and showing all that. I mean, it's great. There's a saying, you know, okay, it's um, come into town on the, what is it? Gosh, I'm going to ruin this. But come into town on the horse you rode in on, which is like be bold with who you are when you get to this city. Yeah. Don't try and generic yourself into something you're not. I remember a casting director said to me my first year here, they were like, you're hilarious. You're like the the male Rebel Wilson. And I'm like, oh, thanks. Okay, you know, but like she's a great example. She came in here knowing who she was and showed it. And yeah. she, most of the time she's a version of Rebel, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, totally. So like you have 
a rich life that you've lived and you've come here to this city, why not bring her, why not bring Lola into the room for whatever? Because most of these shows don't know what they're looking for until they see it. And you're so engaging and so great. Like, come into town on the horse you rode in on. That is not the, well, but you, I hope it makes sense. But it's it like, and sense. then, you know, when you book your things and then, you know, you've worked, then you go, okay, now I want to try, you know, being a whatever, you know. Yeah. And a lot of people try and fight that. A lot of people yeah. try and fight that. And yeah. I see that sometimes people come in and they're just like, I'm like, I can coach you in this, but it's a long way from who you are. And it's a long way from what we see you as. It's what I call like a zero. If somebody is like if you were playing an Australian nutritionist, yeah. you know, you're, that, that's a zero for you. But if you're playing, you know, a librarian, we've got to do a bit of work. So maybe it's, I don't know, there's not really a particular number, but got like, it. you know, it's a certain way away from you and you're going to have to do a bit more work for us to see you as that. Yeah. But like the thing you can do right now, walk into a room is be an Australian lullaby and people are going to love that. Even if they think, even if you think it's an American character. I see people just go in and be themselves all the time and they shock them. They don't know what to think and they're like, well, that's different. Can we work that in the script? Yeah, let's change the script. But no. it happens every day. That's amazing. You have inspired me so much. I cannot thank you enough for sharing your time with me today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And I feel like I've collected an old friend from uh, it's many, many years ago. Many years. <laughs> What's it been now? Four years since high school? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> 400. Um, Literally yes. year 10. We, we would have been, what, 15 when we met each other probably? Yeah. And with, we'd be 35. You'd be the same yeah. as me, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. That's a 20-year. Yeah. I mean, on IMDb, I think I'm 33. Yeah, that's, sorry. That's, that's being authentic. <laughs> God, here we go. Thank you so much. It's been a real, real treat and delight to be here with you. Thank you. You are amazing, my friend. That's a wrap on another episode of Fearlessly Failing. As always, thank you to our guests. And let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at Yummo Lollaberry. This potty, my word for podcast, is available on all streaming platforms. I'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and comment. And of course, spread the love. Spread the love.